0: everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oi with the Terror. I'm one of your hosts, Sandra.
1: And I'm your other host, Danielle.
0: Oh my god, (laughs) I
1: think that was your door. That was
0: loud. That was my neighbor's door. Gotta love apartment lifestyle.
1: It sounded like it was like like you were holding your microphone up to your hallway or something.
0: They slam the doors, like my neighbors slam the door so loud sometimes where I'm like, that's not necessary. But okay. <laughs> but I, think I feel mine. like
1: like how you open or close a door speaks a lot about your character.
0: Then mine is probably like paranoid because <laughs> whenever I like close and lock the door, I always have to like twist it if like twist the doorknob a few times to make sure it's locked, and then I have to say out loud that I locked it. Otherwise, I'll get to the T and be like, "Did I lock my apartment door?" I can't remember.
1: Oh, I didn't know that about <laughs> you. You have like a ritual. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. I meant I meant more like if it's like a heavy slammy door, you like try to hold it so it doesn't slam, or do you just like keep going and you don't care? It depends on my mood.
0: And like if I'm in a rush to get somewhere, probably if I'm in a rush, like I'm just gonna let it slam. But if I'm not, then I'll would try to like Like, close it. What kind of door
1: is the kind that you're hearing from your place?
0: It's just like it's not even that like a heavy of a door. It's just Mm -hmm. like I don't know. It's actually kind of like a lighter door, so I don't think we realize. Like, I'm sure I've slammed my doors, and I didn't think I did. Yeah. Uh, But they're also very close. Like, the apartments are, like, weirdly laid out, but the doors to the apartments are really close together. Mm. So, like, but if I'm in, like, my bedroom, like, I don't really hear it as much. They're
1: probably, like, I remember living in an apartment, and, like, I would kind of forget, and then, like... Like, vacuuming or things that other people can hear. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to think about that so much more, like... Yeah. Yeah,
0: especially last weekend, because it was New Year's Eve weekend. I didn't think... I don't think a lot of people were here. So, I did have a moment where I, like, woke up on, like, Sunday, and I was like, oh, I don't know if my neighbor upstairs is actually home, because I haven't heard them walking around in a few days. Mm. But
1: then I heard them, and I was like, okay, we're good. They're home. So... Is it kind of comforting to hear that, like, oh, there are other people? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I kind of <clears throat> prefer it because then I don't feel, like, alone. I don't
0: know my neighbors upstairs, and I probably mm. will never, but it is comforting to know that somebody else is, like.
1: Yeah. I can see that. Like, it's like if I don't hear any noises for a while or whatever, and then I see the cats, I'm like, yay. <laughs>
0: Well, I feel like that can kind of be worse, because I feel like with animals, like, if they're really quiet, you're like, what are you doing? Why are you so quiet? But then again, cats are more quiet than dogs. So
1: yeah, I'm more like what's happening when there is like, random loud noises, I guess. (laughs) Oh, yesterday, it was pretty funny. Uh, Dave was popping like, like, you know, like not packing peanuts, but it was like bubble wrap, but like Mm -hmm. these long elongated shapes of bubble wrap and Dave was popping them and one just was a really loud obnoxious noise like emitted from it and Tim bolted from the living room and our house like loops around the layout so it's like one side of the living room goes towards the study and the other side goes towards the basement and he ran from the edge of the living room around the basement to the hallway or around the study to the hallway in, like, two seconds. And I was, like, very impressed. Like, Dave hadn't, like, finished putting the plastic wrap away and Tim was already, like, in the basement. And later I was walking through the study and I saw half the rug on the floor was, like, folded up. Like, he, like, ran. (laughs) He, like, ran and hit the rug and it, like, made an impact. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Our cat's like big. He's like almost twenty pounds. Yeah, he's. But, hey, not... I forget how quick he is when he runs.
0: He's not little. George is little. Like yeah, Tim she wouldn't is have not been able
1: to move half the run. She wouldn't have come out of the basement, probably. I don't know. Does <laughs> does she come out of the basement? She when it's quiet in the house, she'll like be like sleeping in the study or the like living room or like Aww, somewhere. That's but cute. like. Sometimes, like, when we have people here, she either, like, hides upstairs or the basement, pretty much. So one of our friends is convinced she's a ghost. She's not. I've seen her. (laughs) Both (laughs) while recording the podcast. No, Sandra, keep (laughs) it going. She's definitely a ghost. (laughs) She's picky, I think. I don't know. Or she doesn't like loud feet. Dave's theory is like she has like she is partly feral and like she doesn't know how to interact with people but we got her when she was pretty young so i don't know mm-hmm. if that would have affected her for Well it doesn't long, but
0: doesn't your mom have a cat Leia that's like
1: super skittish and
0: does not like people
1: and like Yeah yeah she's like that Yeah i mean all cats have like different personalities too so like like Tim is like the opposite; he's so like chill, and we'll go up to anyone <laughs> and like I feel like he's actually very dramatic. He'll like meow in your face. He did this weird thing yesterday. I was sitting on the couch, and as I mentioned, he's like very large and almost twenty pounds, and he decided to jump up. There was like a tiny amount of couch space to the right of me, and he jumped up to sit there and because he's so big he also was partially on like the armrest and i'm like what are you doing (laughs) because he's not really a lap cat he just Mm -hmm. like sits next to you he doesn't really go on you and he's so large that he like was falling off the couch and he just kind of like looked around and me out at my tumbler and then like jumped off the couch and i was like okay (laughs) what is happening he does just like weird stuff like that i was like and i'm I've never had a cat like his exact personality. And I think I've had like six different cats by now or something.
0: Yeah. Well, he's just, he's very talkative. Like whenever I'm over, he always like comes up and like kind of squeaks at you.
1: Right. But
0: I'm also allergic, so I can't
1: pet him, but he knows. He's also like a ginger cat, and -hmm. ginger cats are just supposed to be like crazy. Yeah. Well, not all of them. So that's part of it. (laughs) <laughs> they're special
0: they've got their own unique right. ginger catness that they just have i don't know
1: but yeah anyway mm. how did we get into this
0: <laughs> doors i don't know um yeah i guess i guess i can get into my topic If your
1: stories about doors or cats i would laugh no
0: i wish um, it was now sad. so <laughs> funny story on how i picked this um So for Christmas, I got from a few of my friends, they're three sisters, and I got a, and I'll I'll have to show it to you. So it's a poster and it has like 60 different haunted places all around the US. And if you've been to one, you like scratch it off and then it shows like a picture of that particular haunted place. Mm. And it actually has quite a few that we've done for, or yeah, you and I have done for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I've been to about three of them. But now that I'm like, okay, now that I have this, I have to go to more. So the topic that I picked and probably the next few topics, just because they're really interesting places, some of them I've never heard of, um, will probably be from this poster. So for this week's episode, I picked the Palmer House Hotel, which is in Sock Center, Minnesota. So, it was originally known as the old Sock Center House, and it was the town's first hotel that was built and then it burned to the ground on June 26, 1900. In 1901, Ralph L. Palmer and Christina J. Palmer built what is now known as the Palmer House Hotel, and this was very exciting for the citizens because it was kind of It was kind of described as the kind of first-class hotel that they were able to have in the town. The Palmers lived there with their children, Hazel Palmer and Carlisle R. Palmer. Christina's mother and brother, George Brandner, also was a worker at the hotel. It was also the first building in Sauk Center that had electricity, so that was kind of a big deal for the time. And back when it was first built... There was a lot of different salesmen that would travel that would use the hotel because it was, you know, kind of close to the railroad and there were a lot of business meetings and it was known for offering relaxation. Like today it has a restaurant and a pub and kind of uh, definitely more modern. Um, But they also had a lot of interesting people that stayed at the hotel. And this includes Nobel Prize winner Sinclair Lewis, who also referred to the hotel as a mini mashy house in his 1920 novel entitled main street the hotel did have a makeover back in 1993 which helped it expose its natural beauty from top to bottom with still having the respect to what richard palmer had as his main idea for what the hotel what he wanted the hotel to be there were also some different uh, additional comforts to which kind of were added that today society is used to. Um, for instance, the hotel actually only originally housed 38 small rooms with guests sharing a common necessary room, which was located down the hall. There are now 19 rooms and each do have their own bathroom, which is good to know. And some come with a jacuzzi. So that's kind of why they advertise it as more for the relaxation of um, hotel. Then I did look into some additional information because at first I was reading this and it's kind of like, I don't really get why it's known to be haunted. But after doing a little bit more research, I was able to find that it is possibly haunted by um, a guy by the name of Raymond. And I guess um, Raymond, who's one of the, Unregistered guests, as they refer to him as, um, does haunt kind of one specific room. He essentially, when he was alive, he did run the top floor brothel um, back about a century ago. Nowadays, he's actually believed to haunt a room that's on the top floor. On the other side of the hotel, there's a children's playroom that has been known to be responsible for some people might say like a juvenile haunts. Um, for instance, some say that Palmer's son Carlisle is to blame and that it's kind of a very common complaint among the guests. amongst the guests that stay there. They say that, um, that the guests will come down and they'll say things like somebody let their kids play in the hallway all night long or they'll complain about noise coming from what sounds like children. Usually the people at the front desk will then have to explain that there are no children in the hotel because usually when they've had these complaints, there have been no children at the hotel. They've also had staff members report having a conversation with a lady that looks like Palmer's daughter, Hazel, and before this woman simply disappeared, they are among the believers in the Palmer House paranormal, um, is a turning turn author, Natalie Fowler. She has been quoted saying, I don't think that I've ever been here and not had an encounter. She's done a lot of her own historical research on the hotel in particular, and There haven't been any suspicious deaths or any scenes. So unlike some of the other places that you and I have talked about where people have gone missing or have passed away in the hotel, it seems that these guests have just kind of, as she said, checked out and they just never really left, at least not spiritually. And she goes on to say, you know, that these walls are trying to talk to you when you sit here. And she has seen a dark shadow that paces back and forth across the doorway down in the basement The basement is another area where they have a lot of activity, and it's a place where lights tend to flicker for no reason. Some researchers also consider one basement hallway to be the most haunted part of the hotel. And there's another room where a snowman decoration has been known to dance for guests, even when it's not plugged in. They have heard footsteps in the hallway. They've seen shadows in the foyer. There is uh, definitely a haunted history there and the staff definitely goes out of the way to embrace the spirits and they do so because it doesn't seem like they're leaving anytime soon there was a quote by someone by the name of Fries who says i always tell people that they get to choose what it is they want to call it and i tell people there's stuff that happens here all the time that they just can't explain the palmer house is also on the national registry of historic places and it did just celebrate its 120th birthday It actually held its first Paranormal Seminar back from January 18th to the 20th in 2008. The attendees included uh, television personalities such as Chris Fleming and Patrick Burns. Darkness on the Edge of Town radio host David Schrader and other paranormal experts also attended. And the Palmer House has also been featured on Season season 7, Episode 4 of Ghost Adventures, where they investigated the building with Dave Schrader. And it was also featured in episode four, or season nine, episode four of The Dead Files back. And then in 2023, Chasing Paranormal actually featured the location on season one in their series entitled The Spirit Realm Network. So yeah, it's a little bit about the Palmer House.
1: Where is it again?
0: It's in I'm always worried I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I think it's Sock City, Minnesota. Let mm. me double check.
1: Yeah. So oh, I sorry.
0: Sock Center, Minnesota. I oh, mean, okay. like, I've never been to Minnesota, but I do have a friend that right. lives there. So I can just be like, mm. hey, do you know what this is? She probably would actually, because she was born and raised there. But it could be a fun random trip, I guess. I mean, Again, there's so many places now on this right, poster that right. I really want to go to. And I think this is one of them just because it seems more of like not like um the Lizzie Borden house I Airbnb mean, mm-hmm. where it's like super creepy, where it's like creepy, mm-hmm. but it's more like friendlier spirits, I guess, than like really, really creepy dark Sad ones. I don't know. Dark, Sad yeah. spirits. I don't know.
1: So are there a bunch in <laughs> New England too? Yeah. Okay.
0: um actually the the union cemetery where we did where i did the episode on the white lady she's on there so
1: <laughs> i'm like i've been to one yeah um but did like, you hear about that weird like crash that happened a few months yeah. ago that like mysterious car yeah. drove into the pond or something
0: i did Two people i died have... Yeah, I haven't heard much since and no one. I'm curious. I'll have to look into it because no one's really brought it up. But funny. So, yeah, this is kind of funny. So for Christmas, my dad also got me. He and my stepmom participated in a 5K run near where that cemetery is. So Mm -hmm. they got me a T-shirt. I don't remember exactly what it says, but it has the white lady on it. And honestly, profiteering
1: it was tearing off of her. it's <laughs> funny.
0: But honestly, like, I'm not gonna lie, it was kind of one of my favorite gifts that he got me just because I was like, what is this t shirt? Oh, and then I was like, <laughs> and he laughed because he's like, yeah, I figured you would like it. And I was like, I do, thank you. So I'll have to grab it. I don't remember exactly what it says, but it definitely has like the weight lady on it.
1: Okay. Which kind of is
0: weird because you're like, yeah, they are prop, they are like making money off of her, but also right. like,
1: I don't remember seeing any white lady merch at all. No, when we were growing up,
0: no, because that we would didn't... be
1: kind of funny though, like the carnival or something like that. If you just randomly <laughs> sold all the stuff.
0: Well, it would actually be oh. really cool if they did like a like a ghost tour with the cemetery because there is a lot of history in that cemetery. Like, there's a lot of, you know a lot of stuff's gone down in
1: there so because it's so freaking old but i mean they don't even have a liquor store so i don't know if they'll allow a ghost hunting or ghost tour although they should do like a historical tour through Mm -hmm. like the library or something like that actually they should because i mean we've Mm -hmm. got like an old schoolhouse.
0: no one goes to it no one knows it's there like mm. we do have like some I mean, you know, our town is but, boring, <laughs> that, but we have some stuff
1: that just made me think of I just had a flashback to high school when um, must have been junior senior year, just like when you could take like random classes that like, weren't that tough academically, but were kind of just more fun or interesting. Mm-hmm. There was one class, that was, like, related to history, and they needed a certain amount of people to, like, agree to sign up for it before they could, like, launch it, and it was basically supposed to be, like, history of just... Yeah. History of our town. Oh, should I say it? I, I mean, know. if they
0: search white lady in Connecticut, they're going yeah. to come up with our town.
1: So there were supposed... There was... <laughs> talks of a class related to just history of like easton and reading and i was like oh that seems interesting and very specific so i like i agreed to do it but i guess they didn't get enough numbers so they like never Uh, oh i wish i wish i would
0: have known i would have done it because like
1: i forget who was launching it it could have been mr gang or someone Mm -hmm. i feel like it was like one of those like one of the younger teachers i'm pretty sure
0: Probably Miss Staley or Mr. Gang is
1: my guess. Or the other creepy guy who talked to students on Facebook. Those are like the main people I'm thinking of. Who talked to students on Facebook? Our anthropology teacher.
0: Which, Mr. Uh... The one, the (laughs) one, the one I almost got fired. Yep, I don't
1: know that.
0: (laughs) I did. I reported him to the
1: board. Because he's creepy? He was just inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all there is to it. I just remember when he, and one, I'm not going to say her name, but specifically in my class, like, one girl, he was like, like, everyone knew he was creepy towards her, and he'd, like, joke about, like, how they'd message on, like, Facebook, and I'd always be like, what the fuck? Why? I I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, we can say it later, but
0: i'll ask you at the end but i think and i
1: think there were actually there was another girl too he did it with but the first girl was like the main one that he was like always talking to like it's like uh, oh god
0: that's not that's not okay you should not talk to your especially because we were still technically minors
1: (laughs) yeah he must have been at that time what late 30s maybe yeah yeah
0: wild wild (laughs) Okay, what is your topic?
1: So I decided to kind of do another classic serial killer person. I got inspiration from, um, have you heard of a show called Very Scary People? Hosted by Donnie (laughs) Wahlberg. Yeah. You have? I haven't watched it. I found it on the TV and I was like, what is this? I haven't watched it, but I've heard of it okay well I was like this is a whoever thought of the name of this show definitely like I don't know either knew what they were doing or were like we can't give this a long pompous name so we'll just call this very scary people Um, and then I saw Donnie Wahlberg and I was like of course it's Donnie Wahlberg that just makes sense Um, and like I actually do recommend it like the format's not bad i've seen a few different kinds of true crime related shows it's like basically like each episodes uh, each episode's kind of like a docuseries format and we were marathoning it so i saw maybe like four or five different episodes and i it is like one of the better ones they had a lot of footage that they were using like specifically like interviews with like the serial killers which I find fascinating because like when you listen to podcasts, you only get like the audio format. But like with this show, there was like so much visual stuff going on that I wasn't like bored at all. Um, So they had a few episodes and one of the ones I caught was like the Ben and uh, Ken and Barbie killers from Canada. And I actually covered that like previously, but I'd recommend watching that episode. Very scary people because they had, like, there were they mentioned a lot of details that I don't even remember, like, learning about, so. The episode that, or how I got inspiration was from their Iceman episode. I don't know if you've heard of him, but I actually, no. I think I've heard of him, like, once before, but he's not, like, one of the biggest names. But I feel like he should be, because he's kind of, like, a classic, interesting, like, like someone, they made a movie about him a few years ago. Um, so, like, people do talk about him and do know about him, but just like the name, it's so classic, like Iceman. <laughs> like, he sounds like a super villain. So, yeah, there's a movie based on him that came out in 2012 starring Michael Shannon and Winona Ryder. I don't think I've seen it before, but I am intrigued, like, especially with the actors. Like, I'd probably watch that at some point.
0: The Winona Rider is throwing me off a little bit. Yep.
1: <laughs> I am guessing she plays his wife, probably? Probably. But yeah, that's an interesting combination. So the Iceman, a.k.a. Richard Kuklinski, embodied many of the classic traits needed for a cold-blooded killer. And this also involves mobsters, which when we were talking about Gabagool before, I was like, that reminds me of my topic because mobsters that, like, I don't know if people don't know what Gabagool is, but it's like a way of saying, like, salami. And they talk about it a lot in The Sopranos. And actually this guy, so when I was watching the episode, they had a lot of footage of him from interviews, so you could actually, like, hear how he spoke and everything. And he, like, spoke and looked like um Tony Soprano and I was like oh my god this is amazing (laughs) like he was literally a real life Tony Soprano um but not Italian he was kind of a classic like cold-blooded killer and physically he was 300 pounds and six foot five so he was very imposing physically as well so he earned the name the Iceman because he would freeze his victims bodies and apparently he learned this method from another contract killer, Rob Robert Prange. So yeah, he decided to freeze bodies to make it harder for the police to identify DNA or yeah, that's so that's his thing. That's what I was afraid of when you said Iceman. <laughs> yeah, so I guess as a as a sort of warning or heads up, there is like Mention of, I don't know, gore, I guess, throughout this story. So he was born on April 11th, 1935, in Jersey City, New Jersey. He was convicted of five murders, but throughout the interviews he gave after he was arrested with the media, he confessed to killing more than 100 people. And this was while he was working as a hitman for the mafia. And it seems like he has, like, he basically had the perfect personality to be a hitman he was always kind of cold and never really showed any remorse so he had a difficult upbringing and his parents were often violent towards him and his siblings and it was so bad that his father's beatings actually killed his older brother but authorities were told that he died like from falling down the stairs accidentally Um, As a child, he started acting violently by murdering local cats and dogs, and when he was 14, he had his first victim when he killed the town bully by beating him to death. He left school in 8th grade and started a string of odd jobs, which launched his criminal career. He initially started with bootlegging pornographic films and formed connections with organized crime from that. In the 1950s, he was hired as a hitman and worked for many famous crime families, including the Genovese Gambino and-, and de Cavalcante Or So he was known for handling difficult situations and his ability to constantly have a cash inflow for the DeMio crew, and this earned him a deal of respect. Um, He wasn't just, like, a random hitman character. He actually, like, worked his way up and was pretty acclaimed and everything. Like, he garnered more attention, and the Gambino family wanted to work with him. Um, He wasn't a professional killer at the time, but this would soon change. So it was actually the De Cavalcante family who hired him for his first major gang killing. He was very excited for this job and it seems like this like his profession was maybe actually helping his like want to kill people anyway. Like he was like using it as an excuse to kill because he would have done that anyway naturally It sounds like Um, because he was very into killing everyone like it and seems like it never affected or bothered him. In 1954, he started to make frequent trips from New Jersey to New York where he would prowl the Upper West Side of Manhattan looking for victims. He would choose targets based on people who annoyed him or someone that he thought slighted him in a way. And that kind of reminds me of the story I had, I'm forgetting her name, the um, drug crime lady from Florida, like, when she got, like, the amount of power where she had people that she could use to, like, take out her enemies, like, when she just got that powerful, she would kind of just choose people based on if they annoyed her for, like, a silly reason. Power and violence. Uh, and then other times he would just kill randomly just to kill. So he would shoot people, stab people, strangle, poison, or bludgeon. His type of weapon would shift constantly. And this actually made it harder for the police to track him initially because he would like always use different weapons. He also used ice picks and bare knuckles and hand grenades. According to a statement, he once made a nasal spray bottle filled with cyanide, and that was one of his favorite things to use. He um, carried out assignments for DeMio and the Gambinos, and it was his willingness to murder without any hesitation that just made his criminal colleagues describe him as the devil himself. It sounds like a weird, like... Like, imagine this was a normal job workplace scenario and it's like he's moving up the ladder, but based on crime and killing people. Colleagues are like he would do anything to succeed or something. Yeah, that's Uh, a
0: weird twist on it.
1: (laughs) So he did have two rules when it came to people he wouldn't harm. And this was no women or no children. But beyond that, he, like, would kill anyone. On one occasion, he recalled preparing to kill a man who was begging and praying for his life. And Kuklinski told the man he could have 30 minutes to pray to God to see if God would come and intervene. Quote, but God never showed up and he never changed the circumstances. And that was that was that it wasn't too nice. That's one thing I shouldn't have done. That one. I shouldn't have done it that way, he said. And apparently that was actually one of the only times that he did seem to show remorse. So he was growing more clever when it came to avoiding authorities. He removed the fingers and teeth of his victims to make it harder to identify their bodies. He melted bodies in oil drums or left them in the back of junkyard cars to be crushed. He'd also throw them in the Hudson River or dispose of them in mine shafts. So he was, like, very creative, apparently, with his system. Um, And I can, like, see how that would make it even harder for police to try to track someone because in all those, like, detective shows, they were always like, what's his, like, M.O. or whatever? He has to have a pattern. And it seems like the Iceman didn't really have a specific kind of pattern. He was arrested in 1986 and charged in connection with five murders. George Malaband was killed in 1980 after he met with Kuklinski to talk about selling videotapes. His body was found stuffed in a barrel. Then Louis Mazgay was interested in like starting a videotape selling deal with Kuklinski um, he was last seen in 1981, and his partially decomposed body was discovered 15 months later. The medical examiner found ice crystals in the body's tissues and determined that it had been kept frozen. And I guess that's officially when Koklinski earned the name the Iceman. Maliband and Mazgay were shot to death. Gary Smith was a part of the burglary team led by Kulkinski and was strangled after he was given cyanide. His body was found under a bed in a motel in 1982. Then the body of Daniel Deppner, another member of the burglary ring, was found the following year and he had also been poisoned by cyanide. The body of Paul Hoffman, who disappeared in 1982 after trying to buy prescription drugs from Kuklinski, was never located. After Smith's body was discovered, a six-year investigation ensued, and Kuklinski was arrested in 1986 after agreeing to help a federal undercover agent murder a fictitious man. In 1988, he was found guilty of charges related to the murders of Smith and Deppner he later pled guilty to the murders of Maliband and Mazgay, and he also confessed to the murder of Hoffman, but charges in that case were dropped. Koklinski was sentenced to two consecutive terms of life imprisonment. In 2003, he entered a guilty plea for the 1980 murder of New York City police detective Peter Calabro. Um, in the episode on very scary people on H L N, they were showing footage from the courtroom of kliklinski's wife and daughter in the courtroom, and you could just tell from their expressions that they had no idea that he like was capable of this much carnage. Like, their faces totally changed when they were talking about all the details with everything he did. So it was just like seeing that on the show was intense. So in one interview, an interviewer asked Kuklinski, "Quote, did you liken yourself to an assassin?" Um, And he responded, "Quote, assassin. It sounds so exotic, with a hint of amusement and a small smile. Then his face turned serious. I was just a murderer." End quote. And he ended up dying in prison in two thousand six. He often spoke of his murderous exploits without any remorse. Um, it was all business to him, and to this day he remains one of the most horrifying serial killers in modern history. So that is the story of the Ice Man, Richard Kuklinski. Okay, so I didn't realize I knew
0: he might have a wife. I did not know that he also had a daughter. I
1: think mm-hmm. he may have had a son as well, but I'll double check. He had yes. Dwayne and merrick
0: wow that's gotta be so crazy to be the child of like
1: a mm-hmm. known
0: serial killer
1: but yeah literally as i was reading all this i was like this like it's no surprise they made a
0: movie <laughs> no
1: about they him. have
0: no they have like everything that they need but it is did it say how old he was when he passed away
1: it looks like seventy. Okay, so not like da, da, da. yeah, seventy exactly. Wow, math. Yes. <laughs>
0: so not like super young, but no. Wow, yeah. uh, that it. Yeah, that does it. The more you were talking, the more I was like, yeah, this does sound like the mob, and this does sound like something you probably see on like The Godfather. Hmm, And like
1: the Sopranos and all that. So I guess there's like stuff on HBO about him as well. Oh, I'm
0: sure. It's interesting because like, I guess you are considered a serial killer if you murder more than three people, but it is interesting how he also had rules of no children and no woman.
1: Yeah. That he had certain <laughs> standards,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but Like, yeah, I always wonder, like, people like that, how can they have families? Like, how can they – how is that possible? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like having, like, a double life or something like that. Like, he just separates it. I guess they're just wired to separate that. And if he
0: refers to it as more of, like, a job or, like, work, it's easy to kind of separate, like, work from home life.
1: Mm. But
0: also, I just feel for, like, his wife and stuff if, like, she had no idea. And then his kids just – can't even like imagine finding that out about your parent one day.
1: I know it's insane. Like I have seen, was it is a Wayne Gacy? What's the name? The clown guy. I think like his daughter has done mm-hmm. some shows, like just talking about like how she found out and things like that. Like yeah, that's kind of an interesting psychological study too. Like mm-hmm. how do you? live your life after that well it's also like john wayne gacy i think yeah well it's also like um
0: jeffrey dahmer's brother
1: mm-hmm.
0: he doesn't i think he like changed his name and stuff because he doesn't want to be associated with his brother which makes yeah sense. i can't
1: blame him for that yeah
0: <laughs> but it is interesting how like how just i don't know i just think it would be really hard but i think it would be interesting to kind of talk to them and See like what they think or feel.
1: Yeah. Well, now that's like, yeah, they have so much footage that he gave. I guess they have like tapes and video footage of mm-hmm. the Ice Man. That's why it's like seems so important when they're being interviewed, especially after they're arrested, to mm-hmm. like record everything they're saying. Yep. Like so, people like psychologists can study them, and like mm-hmm. the police can use it and everything. It's probably the most frustrating when, like, they don't say anything. Like, I've heard of big serial killers that are like, I'm not gonna tell you anything and they're like...
0: Well, it's, like, not... He wasn't a serial killer, but um... God, Vandersloot, who just confessed to killing Natalie Holloway. And he Mm. just... He did it as part of, I think, like, to get a deal or something, because he had murdered another girl, but the fact that he mm. finally, it's been what, 20, 18, 20 years since Natalie Holloway?
1: Ooh, I should cover that. Like, yeah. disappeared,
0: and mm. he finally told, I won't, I won't go into detail, but he just, he confessed. Okay. But he's not gonna get tried for it, mm. because it was part of his I deal. Remember,
1: yeah, they thought he was suspicious, like, the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he admitted to doing it.
0: So, mm. but he really only did that to get a deal. But it's also, like, it's unfortunately one of those things where he's kind of played around with them so much that it's, like, we ha- they have the closure, but, like, they're still mm-hmm. probably not 100% sure, like, if that's what actually happened. Hmm. So they have his confession, but it's still, like, cry- like the boy who cried wolf, like, I don't know if we believe you. Hmm. But it's something for them. I mean, to- if
1: they suspected him for this long, they must have, like, something. Well. There must be a reason, I would think. I don't know, maybe you should, maybe that should be your next case. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, that's an interesting one. It's very interesting because of the
0: life choices that
1: he made. Mm. And there was so much footage about her, like coverage about it too Mm -hmm. in the news. Yeah,
0: because I don't think we were that much younger than her. Mm -hmm. So I remember that being a concern with my parents where Mm -hmm. they were like, well, if you guys had like a senior trip, like, I don't know if I'd let you go because, you know. Mm-hmm. things can happen, so... But, yeah. So, yeah, definitely... I mean, if... And if no one's heard about the Natalie Holloway case, definitely look into it, because there's a lot of updates to it as well.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Oi with the Terror. We usually release episodes every two weeks, but I don't know if the holidays and everything It's like, eh. But typically it's every two weeks, so... First episode of 2024. Yay. Happy New Year. <laughs> Follow and like our stuff on Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you have any suggestions for us, email us at terror already at gmail.com. And that's it.
0: Yeah, we'll see you all next time. Happy New Bye. Year.
1: Bye. Happy New Year.